Good morning, New Life Man. That was a video freezing joke, is what that was. It froze. Just a, a couple of people liked it. Anyway, yeah, that's right. Uh, let's stand up. Good morning, I'm Brett. Welcome to New Life Manitou. Uh, we're going to orient our hearts to receive um, the scriptures this morning. So let's breathe. And Psalm 42 will be up on the screen. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart how I have walked with many, leading the festival procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfall. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. As we pray for just a second, oh God, we thank you for who you are, that you are with us, that you are in this place, that you inhabit the praises of your people, that you dwell in us and you call us your temple. And for all of these things, God, for your life, for your grace, for your mercies, for your joy given to us, we just, we gather to worship you and to say thank you. And as we open your word now, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that understand that we would turn to you yet again and that you would continue to heal us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Is it me or is there a little feedback on this? Should I do anything different? Great, I'll keep going, perfect. Uh, Good morning, everyone. My name is Evan Riedel. I'm one of the pastors, actually, with New Life Downtown. So, um, actually, I see so many of you in this room that are familiar faces from downtown. So, that's that's actually really fun. Um, And I am honored to be here, to be able to fill in the pulpit. Pastor Joe carries it week in and week out, and it's just great that we get to be part of a team dynamic as kind of the New Life family, and come alongside with him and, uh, and preach the word. So, how's everybody doing? 
Good, this is a smaller room, which I love, because hopefully it means there's more interaction, right? Like, I'll ask questions, you'll respond to them, somebody will use their voice and give me an amen or something, great, okay. Uh, how's everybody feeling, like daylight savings time? Anybody sign that petition to make that stop? Like, I'm gonna enjoy the end of the day when it's brighter, but getting up when it's still dark out, no dice, that was, that was a little harder, so. Uh, well, we are in the Psalms series, uh, as you all probably know, and this is actually, this whole series is going through the month of May, so if you're not buckled up yet, buckle up, because it's gonna be a great ride. Uh, we're in Psalm 42 today, so if you have your Bibles or your phone, you can thumb to that place, and we're just gonna camp out in Psalm 42 all day, as it was just read. Um, and what the Psalms are for us, and this context will keep on being given over and over, it's, um, it's, it's for us to learn a language of our faith. It's for us to have this opening book, the Torah, the first five written by Moses, which is God's word to us, and the Psalms come then with five books of their own, it's broken up into five, 150 total psalms, and it is our way of being able to respond to God and learn the language which with we can speak back to God. And they're super helpful because we're gonna get to moments in life where the petition that we have, the, the disagreement that we have, the brokenness that we have, we, we know that it exists because we can feel it, we can sense it, but we might not know the words that can then voice that back to God. And what the Psalms do are they teach us those words in that language and they also, I think, in a strong sense, give us permission. Permission to say certain things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think for a lot of us uh, in the Christian faith, we would say like, oh, well you shouldn't, God never forsakes you, he will never leave you. And yet, there's moments where we're gonna feel that way. Well, I'm just saying, it, it feels like that. And if Christ himself can be on the cross and express this to the Father, then we too are joining not just in the psalmist's prayers and the psalmist's language, but we're actually joining in the very language of Christ himself because he took on this language for himself and he's prayed these prayers and he expressed these words to the Father. So he himself was taught up in this language of the Psalms and so that's what this book is for us. It's, it's our way of answering God, it's our way of expressing and learning what's in our heart and what the words are. So we land ourselves in Psalm 42. So like I said, if you have your Bibles open there, and everybody, well, if you've been around long enough, I've, I've been around just long enough to know this song, but Psalm 42, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. Do you all know the song, right? As the deer panted for the waters, oh my soul, after thee. Perfect, you guys sound good. Um, it, it is, that song is so, I, I don't know, it's like quintessentially sweet, right? Like there's just some sweet moment of, of worship or with God or in a garden somewhere and you just start going, oh God, I just, I long for you and yes, this is good. Um, and I just, I wanna kind of flip that sweetness on its head if I may mess with all of our context. Keep the song, the song is perfect, it's wonderful, it's lovely. But wondering what is the tone that this psalm actually takes on? And is it one of us just, oh I long for you, like, like you guys are in Manitou here, right? And so there's streams and they flow and the deer probably come down and frolic from the mountains and oh I thirst, I thirst, and they lap up some Manitou Springs water. And we get this very sweet idea of, oh God, I, I, I just long for you, right? It's this, this desire, when, when what more so this psalm presents to us is not this sweet longing, but almost this, 
this crushing thirst that says, God, in, in the Middle Eastern culture where this would have been the context, it's, more, it's less like Manitou Springs and it's more like, uh, kind of like a TV show, Planet Earth, you know, like where, where they're going like, oh, it's the deer, he's thirsty. If he doesn't feed and thirst within five hours, but then there's a lion and will he make it to the waters or will he perish? And, and, and there's much more of this context of this deer is just like this deer. There's this despair. I am so thirsty, I am so longing that I'm about to perish because of my need for you. And then the rest of the Psalm, the 42 and into 43, it's, it's almost like a brother-sister sort of relationship between the two. The rest of the Psalm unveils this, where are you? Why are you so far from me? My enemies taunt me. And then over and over again, it's this, these crushing blows to the psalmist. And it's not this sweet deer. It's this painful longing for God. I am not with you. I am not near you. I do not sense you. Where are you in the midst of this? I am so dry. I am so barren. Where are you? And that's the context with which we enter this psalm. So keep the sweet song as the deer. But when we're diving into this psalm, Psalm 42, understand that this guy is parched. He, he has been without the presence, without the water, the living water of God for however long, and we're going, are you gonna make it? And I think that's, that's important for us to understand because we need to know that too. Um, as the deer longs for flowing streams, Psalm 42, one and two, so I long for you, God, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? And this is the truth, that life will leave you parched. That there is some point where this psalm is so necessary because we're in that moment or that season when we're just going, God, I'm not before you. When can I come? When can I come back? I lived in England right after high school for a year to study the scripture. And we lived in a castle, like it was a manor house, but it was huge and it had a tower and a dungeon and the ping pong tables were in the dungeon. It was a castle and, and it rained all the time and we spent hours every day studying the word and praying together and worshiping together and seeking the Lord. It was a one year Bible school program. And it was this year where God was so real, so present, so many encounters. It was the good, it was the rainy season of life. And then I go the very next year after that, and and this isn't to say anything bad about Greeley, but (laughs) I I transferred to the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. Is there an alumnus in here? I, I, yeah, I'm happy for you. (laughs) For me, it was some of the hardest nine months of my life because the Christian community, it just it didn't ever seem to break through. The friends that were really great were actually, like, they were just lazy. And I went from this school where I'm surrounded by people seeking the Lord together to this other school where I'm trying to, like, turn up the music loud enough to not hear what's going on in the dorm room next to me, if you know what I mean, yeah. And, and, and even like prayer walking and just being like, God, where, where are you in the midst of all of this? These t- you know, 15,000 students who aren't seeking you. And, and just the juxtaposition of those things was going, Lord, 
I am thirsty for you, but I, I just, I can't seem to be finding you. Where are you in the midst of this? I, I went from the overflowing presence of you last year to where are you right now? I long for you. When can I come again? When can I be in that again? I think it's seasons like that that we need this psalm. It's seasons like, for me, God, where are you? I long for you. My dad passed away, it's been eight and a half years now. But I got a, I was, I was, I just graduated college. Um, UNC only lasted for a year. I transferred out to a school in, in Portland, Oregon, back to the rain, so it was good. But uh, I just graduated, I had just gotten engaged, um, and then I got a phone call on a Saturday night from a sheriff's officer that my dad had tragically and unexpectedly passed away. And already, life was just hard, but I was making it through. I, I talked to him probably three or four times a week, just working out the issues of life, becoming an adult, emerging into rinse, and, and I was a youth pastor, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, the word green is an understatement for what I was in that context. And, and, and just, it was, it was hard, but dad was there, you know? And then all of a sudden, he's not. And so I'm going through grief and in a large part, these support systems in my life had been, he'd been taken away from me. And so again, I'm finding myself in this, God, where are you? Like the, the why is my dad gone? Where, where are you in the midst of that? And just these questions of going from a season that was already hard to now I just don't even know where you are in the midst of it. And this Psalm gives us words and language to be able to express that. Um, there's, there's other stories we could tell, and, and you have your own, where you can just, oh, thanks, brother. <laughs> Boom, all right. Yeah, I just tightened it. That won't happen again. Um, and, and there's this, let me just read a part of this, because the gentleman, we were, there's a, there's a member of our church in downtown, New Life Downtown, where we've been, um, he's been going through something that, I pray none of us have to. And it's some family stuff and it just, it was an event and it was tragic and it was traumatizing. And this psalm, he comes up to us, to, to Pastor Glenn and me, and he starts telling us that these are the words that his heart has actually been experiencing. The same psalm, 42 verses three and then nine through 10. My tears have been my food day and night. While all the day long people say to me, where is your God? I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, where is your God? And this gentleman in our, our, our congregation, he came up and he just said, this is me. I'm eating my tears literally every day. They are, they are my food. I just keep crying because where is God in the midst of this? And, and he feels forgotten by God, just like the psalmist, taunted by his enemies, just like the psalmist. And some of you all know, some of us, we know what it's, it feels like to be forgotten by God and to have this sense around us of we're supposed to be these strong Christian presence and saying, no, 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 God's on my side. God is for us. Who can be against us? And yet, there's this feeling of, yeah, but I feel forgotten, and like people around me are, say, are pointing and saying, but where's your God? And they're mocking. And life ends up having us parched. So the question is then, what do we do with this thirst, with those parched souls with inside of us? 
Because this longing isn't, it's not just this cute deer. It's this deep God in this midst of life where I feel dry and barren and apart from you and like the enemy is having his way. My soul is longing for you. Where are you? It's, it's a crisis. And then in the midst of this psalm, I think, is where we find the answer. If, if, if the question is, what do we do with this? When life is like that and when we're longing for God and wondering where he is and what do we do, the psalmist intercepts his downward thought spiral and redirects that thirst towards God. So he starts with a question, but then he continually comes to these moments where he, he turns and he pivots his focus, his mind, his soul, his whole person towards God and saying, but God, it's you that I'm thirsting for. Again, Psalm 42, as the deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before him? And the question is, what do we do with our thirst for God, especially while we're still in the desolate place and apart from him? And I wanna make this suggestion that the psalmist makes in these coming verses. We remember. When we are in that place, when we are in that longing, what the psalmist does, and I think it's the direction that we should take, is we remember. And I wanna kinda define that word in a couple of words for us today. Remember, remember, remember. And a lot of times the connotation of remember is to recall. Oh, do you remember that? Do you recall that? Um, I didn't tell her I was telling this. So this is my beautiful wife up here, Karen, by the way, everybody. Um, <laughs> we are pregnant right now with our second. And pregnancy brain is real. Remembering the recollection of, I mean, mom's in this place, right? You guys can all testify to this. And then husband's along with me on that one. Like, I just told you that. Or I told you that 10 minutes ago. I told you that this morning. And it's, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot. And what we're saying in that moment is, oh, I, don't, I didn't remember. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> uh, I would never accuse such things. Um, <laughs> But to remember, it becomes this, I'm recalling the information. I'm, wherever it was back here, I'm recalling it and bringing it to the forefront of what I'm thinking about. And I wanted to find it a, kind of one level deeper than that, to remember. Um, so my son, William, is two and a half, and he loves playing, and that is the first thing he kind of wants to do when we wake up, and the first thing he wants to do every moment of the day after that. So he loves to play, and balls, and blocks, and trains and all of that. I got him, I, I feel like having kids is the excuse to kind of be a kid all over again and to relive like all those memories. So before Christmas, I went to Ikea and I got him those wooden train sets and I got him way too many because they were on sale. So I was like, oh, they're 25% off, so I'll get double the amount and it'll be great, right? Um, so we have way more than we need and we put them together and there's William has cerebral palsy, but he's pretty high functioning on that, so he can scoot and move and play and, and all that. But there's two types of play that we talk about in his therapy, and one of them is constructive play, where whatever the toy is, you're constructing it together. So um, Duplos, you guys are big fans of the Duplos, those giant like Lego things, like putting them together is constructive play. Tearing them apart is destructive play, right, okay, so he is a master at destructive play, like, <laughs> he, he has it down, I construct and I help him construct the train set, and he plays with it for a little while, and then he gets these moments where he gets really excited, and he just goes, ah, whap, 
and all like the train goes everywhere and the track gets broken apart. Um, and the same thing with blocks. Like he gets to about the fourth or fifth block high stacking them and then he just gets too excited. Yeah, what happened then? Okay, so very, very good at destructive play. We're working on being good at constructive play. But what's happening with his play, whether it's putting together Duplos, or whether it's putting together a train track, is that what we are doing is we are membering the pieces of it together. We are uniting them together into a whole. So there's various pieces, but they're brought together into unity with each other. So the little track nub fits in the little track hole, or the Duplos fit together. And when he breaks them, our remember, to remember these things, is to bring them back into unity with each other. And what we are called to do, what the psalmist is saying, number one, we remember the people, or no, don't go there yet. I am deeply depressed, this is Psalm 42, therefore I remember you, I remember you. And what he's doing is he's saying, in our call, when we're in that place, in that longing, in that crisis, in that whatever, where God feels far off and the enemies are mocking and whatever's going on, is this call by the psalmist to say, I remember you, I will take what you have built and I will reunite myself with you. Not just recall and recollect and bring to the forefront of my mind, but my whole person, I will bring it back into unity with you. And particularly us as the church, so now we can go to the next one. We remember the people of God in the house of God. Because the dismembering pieces of this is the thirst, it's the tears, it's feeling forgotten. But the remembering, remembering ourselves with the person of God in the psalm, he presents us with this picture of, it starts in large part with remembering ourselves with the people of God and the house of God. So Psalm 42, verse four. I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. What we do here on a Sunday morning, what we do in our men's groups, in our women's groups, in our prayer times, is we are remembering ourselves with the ways of God in that we are remembering ourselves with the people of God in the community. Because there's all these buzzwords these days about community, right? Like, oh, do you have community? Are you in community? My gym has community, and my son's daycare has community, and uh, the, the park system has community, and you can just go on and on. The school systems have community, 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 community. But there is something uniquely and powerfully different about the people of God in community together because we are eternally founded on something that the world cannot offer and not just connection with each other because the basis of it is fellowship with God. The eternal God and then us being people eternal with one another. It's not the same, it's different and it's necessary. It's the fellowship of the redeemed, those who are in covenant with God. And, and, and this gathering of the church, it, the gathering, the, the church itself is more than this gathering today, but it is not less than that. And we need the encouragement of one another to come and to say, I'm remembering myself, I'm putting myself back together with the people of God. And it's like they say in Ephesians, all of us together as different parts of the body built up, sewn together, unified together into Christ who is the head until we attain the full maturity of this faith. Our faith is required that we are members together of this body. And so when we worship and when we pray and when we read the scriptures and when we hear sermons, what we're doing is we're reunifying ourselves with the way that God has given us to one another and ultimately to himself as Christ is the head. And it's in that place that when we start remembering ourselves, start unifying ourselves back with that, 
that we can then continue and start to kind of gain that hope back in that season. So my soul longs, but in that I am feeding it. I'm coming back to the waters that you've given me by remembering myself with the people of God in the house of God. Number two, we remember God himself. Psalm 42, six through seven. I am deeply depressed, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers, all your billows have swept over me. It's again in this place where we, we've heard that, that song, the, the song is like the deep calls to deep and it's this my deep longing calls to your deep longing. There's this thing though that most of the commentaries agree on that in this picture, in this place as the breakers are crashing over him and the deep, it's not this, uh, this soul thing, it's this place. Where is he literally? He's in the deep, he's in the depths, he is far from God, he's not the heights, he's not rejoicing on the mountaintops, he's in the depths of whatever his situation is. And from that place, my deep is calling to you, God, to the depths of who you are, to meet me here in this deep place. And it's even in that place that we're saying, Lord, what, what happens is if we're remembering, let's say Joe is God, for, for the example of this, okay, just work with me here. <laughs> and at one point, I was close. I felt unified. We were in the same place together. But then sorrow crept in, and it kind of created this blockage. And then tragedy crept in, and it, cre- it, there, there, it became this distance. So all of a sudden, my, my distance from Joe, it's this, I long to be back from you. And what I need to do is remember myself with the people of God and the house of God and remember God himself and to say, all of these cannot keep me from you because I believe that you are here. I believe that you are near. So even though these are true, they are not the thing. They are not so powerful that they can keep me from the very person of God. I remember you. And that's why he's saying, I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. All of these places around, he's going from the heights to the depths, wherever I am at, I am still with you and I can remember myself with you. Number three, if at first, if this whole thing is to remember ourselves with the people of God and the house of God, number two, to remember God himself, Number three, we remember that our hope is in God. There's this poetic refrain that happens in Psalm 42 and then in Psalm 43 as well. Some commentators think that they're linked, that they're actually, it could be one Psalm, they're broken up into two. Because it goes to this refrain, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, hope, put your hope in God for I will still praise him, my savior and my God. And it repeats this in verse five and verse 11 and then the next chapter 43 verse five. And whatever he's saying, he's wrestling in this place and going, God, where are you in the midst of this? What's going on? You're so distant, my enemies mock me, my tears are my food and I'm remembering that I'm with the people of God. I'm remembering who you are from wherever I'm at and I'm remembering my hope in you. And hope is one of those most powerful things that we have in this. Hope is not a wish, it's not this optimistic thing. Because a lot of times, like, not that I've done this, but you hear people say, oh, I hope, like, I win the lottery, right? Well, what is that based upon? It's, it, we use this word in the English language as this like nilly-willy, free-flying, like, oh yeah, I hope for a bunch of stuff. Like, our kids hope for presents for Christmas, or like, hope, 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 hope. Um, but 
We need to understand biblically more so what is the foundation of hope? What, what is hope scripturally? So if remembering isn't just recollecting, but it's actually reuniting with, what is hope? And I wanna suggest a more biblical understanding of hope is that hope is a confident expectation based on past or present circumstances. Hope is a confident expectation based on past or present circumstances. And it's in these places when we get that when we're saying, God is my hope, I hope in God, as the psalmist is saying, I will remember you, I will put my hope in you. That we're not just saying, oh, I wish I, this and that, but we start going in that place and saying, okay, I'm remembering myself in this people. I'm remembering who God is. And I'm remembering all the things that God has done, which has made him worthy and trustworthy to be hoped in remembering all the things he's done which makes him worthy and trustworthy of my hope to be in him. And so what we do in this congregation when we're saying my life is faced with all of these things, and it's not to say that God comes and just instantly cures all and just voila, but to saying I have hope in the midst of this pit. I have hope in the deep place. And I start remembering, and it takes the community of God again, I will say. It takes us, it takes us sitting in fellowship and having, right, right after service today, right? There's fellowship downstairs with hors d'oeuvres and drinks and stuff. It's sitting in that and saying, what's going on? How, how has God blessed you? Remind me again how you got through this. And hearing the stories of other people around us in the body of Christ and saying, that's right, God, in, God interacted with you in that time. He interacted with you in your sorrow. He was there, he led you through. And those who have gone through it can then come with the testimony that goes, that's why I can hope in God. I can hope in God because look, look around me. I can have confident expectation. I can have this expectation because he's done it in my life before. He's done it in your life before and in your life. He's been there for all of us even though there's mountains and valleys and all that. He has been there and we can have hope. I, I love, um, you guys ever seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption or read the book which is also I haven't actually read that. So, and, and honestly, it's Stephen King, which super surprised me that it was Stephen King. Uh, and if you're like me, you've seen the movie once the entire way through, but you've actually seen it about 30 times on TNT, but only like the last half. Because you parachute in and you're like, oh, this is on. I would never have watched this on my own, but I'll just sit for the next two hours since it's like a four-hour movie and just watch the rest of it. And, and there's this, this whole paradigm, and so I'm, I'm going to just kind of assume that we all know enough of the story, but between Andy and Red in it, and in the beginning when Andy comes into prison, so they're in this prison, which I think contextually we can say, this is a, this is a tough spot. You are in here eating your tears day and night. You, you are in this crisis state, and Andy is sitting at the lunch table with Red, and he talks about hope, and Red's response to him, and this is in the beginning of the movie, is, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It can drive a man insane. And he's saying that because he's in prison with a life sentence on him with very, like he keeps on getting denied parole. And he's saying, in this place, you shouldn't have hope. If that's a dangerous thing for you, it'll drive you crazy because you will keep on being let down. It's the Proverbs that say, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And it's this, this idea of going, your hope keeps getting deferred. Why are you hoping in this place? What, what good can possibly come in here? It'll drive you crazy if you keep on hoping. But by the end of the movie, 
Given that all that happens and Andy's faithfulness and friendship and then his master planning, I won't ruin it for you, but he gets out. Um, <laughs> Red is narrating over the movie at the very end of it. And he says, and remember, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Because what happens between the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie is he's given reason to have confident expectation that life can get better that he can get out of his state. I mean, go through all of it, and of course, any example is limited, but he's in this place of, in the beginning, going, what, why? Why would we expect anything more than what we're given? And then Andy comes in as this dynamic character and shows them how to make where they're at better, how to keep pushing on together, how to escape from it, how to go out of it. And he ends the movie changing his notion about hope. Hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things because hope is what we need to be membered to remember in that place when we're in crisis, in that place when we're in tears. To allow ourselves to be in that place, but not have this idea that God, you can never break through all this, but to say, God, you will because you are faithful. Because what we're coming to now, what we're coming to now is the table. And if there is reason for us to have confident expectation based on past or present circumstances, It's us looking back at the table, the feast of God, and saying, Christ, because you have. Because you have done this, I can have hope in this place. Because you have gone to the cross, because you have taken on our sins, because you have, I can have hope in God that you too will rescue me. As the Father raised the Son, you too will raise me. As as eternal life has been made way, you in this age or the age to come, I can have hope. And it becomes this shift where our hope isn't our paycheck, our hope isn't our job, it's not in a medical report, it's not in our spouse, it's not in our children. Our hope shifts to become who God is, the very person of God, faithful to us to save, faithful to us to redeem, because we look into the scriptures, because we gather with the fellowship, because we remember who we are, because we have this as an example to say, I look at the cross, And God, I can have hope of expectation of what you will do because I've seen what you have done for Jesus. You've done it for the son, you'll do it for me. I can have hope. This is our hope in God, Psalm 42, eight. By day, the Lord commands his faithful love. By night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. And I'll say this, that only the steadfast love of God is the hope that can satisfy our thirst. As the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs for you, O God. And it's the love of God that he's saying, it's the hesed, this pursuit, this love, this faithful love of God that is always there with him, day or night. He, he keeps, height or low, day or night, he keeps comparing these things. He's going, you're there, you're always there. And I can have that hope because I can see what you've done before, that you've always been there for the Son. You've poured out your spirit into us, the church. You've given us to one another as the body with Christ as the head. You've given us a model where we can remember ourselves as the people of God and to carry on in hope in this life. And we'll do it again and again and we'll sing songs again and again and we'll pray prayers again and again because we know that you are the faithful and you are the trustworthy God. If you would bow your bow your heads with me, and I just I want us to to take just a moment 
And I want you to think of what is it, what is it that you and your soul and your situation would say, I long and I thirst for God. When can I come to him? Just, just bring that to the forefront of your mind. Where are you? And where are the places that your soul is saying, I long for you, God? I'm in the pit. I'm eating my tears. The enemies around me are scoffing. Where are you? And then I want us, because the psalmist says, when can I come to you? The table, the communion meal, is often referred to as the presence. This is the presence that we come to. This is the presence of God. This is the hope that we have secured because of what Christ has done, being faithful to the Father. And whatever it is, wherever we find ourselves in that place of longing or crisis, we can say, Lord, we remember ourselves again, even as we take this bread and this cup, we remember ourselves with you and with one another in this communion meal. And then start recollecting as you come and as you take, as you pray with one another this morning, all the times that God has been faithful to stir up that hope again. Your love constantly pursues us by day. Your song will be with us in the night and your prayers, oh God. Lord, we realign ourselves with you and with hope because you are trustworthy and faithful and true. And we come again to your table to remember ourselves with who you are and with the faithfulness and the redemption and the salvation and the power of the cross.